Hey everybody and welcome to the future of photography. Uh just just two of us uh here this week, which is which it's is why slim down. We're a, a slim down version, but we are high speed. High speed. I like that. Slim down and high speed. I don't know what that says about Chris though. Is it uh, is, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no uh so chris is uh otherwise otherwise engaged uh this week uh so uh jeremiah and i are here and very pleased to be here to talk to you how are you doing jeremiah you all right i'm doing okay doing okay still uh still abroad but um you know another four weeks i'll be back in the sun of los angeles and um looking forward to actually picking up a camera again it's been too long since i've actually gone on my kind of uh, foraging trails for great imagery, both uh, in computer and in real life. But I look forward to that since I am just shooting 24 images a second with actors. So <laughs> there you go. I'm guessing you're not very hands on the cameras at the moment either. <laughs> not really. <laughs> uh, well, you are, you are the creative or one of the creative forces behind all of this, though, aren't you? So at least you're getting to exercise the creative muscles. True that. <laughs> OK, right. So this week we have uh, an interesting conversation ahead, I think. Uh, certainly I'm going to find it interesting because for, for you and I, of course, this conversation is is in mid flow at the moment because um, it started on the, the TFOP Discord uh, a short while ago. Um, so there's a couple of things uh, that have cut that, that uh, maybe uh, are not actually connected but we can pull together into a single conversation uh for today uh firstly uh we are as i say having a great conversation in our discord at the moment about a competition called the international landscape photographer of the year and particularly the 2021 winners that have just recently been announced um not to be confused with just the the normal landscape photographer of the year which i think is a a uk-based equivalent which i which i ended up on at first and thought hang on a minute this doesn't look like the same photos as on the discord that people are posting so lots of these things around of course often called poties photography of the year um yeah like nat nat geo does it as well you know there are all kinds of and all worth exploring because they do offer a selection of very unique and interesting um points of view about how to approach landscape photography absolutely absolutely we have one i don't know if this is an international one but certainly we have one here in in the uk called gpoti which is the garden photographer of the year which the the <laughs> idea behind it you get out in your garden and you make that yeah you make photographs the best way you can in the garden so you get some macro you get some obviously plants oh, and, nice. and things like them flowers nice. yeah. which is, like is but, there, but there's lots of these of course but um the, this one particular uh and link in the show notes uh is you uh, raise some questions with, with some of our discord members um a lot of discussion actually because a lot of the uh well almost without exception certainly the vast majority of the photos being uh, awarded rewarded um in this in this particular competition have a lot of you know quite extreme post-processing uh for light for color for hdr for for all sorts of stuff um some people quite strongly against it um others less concerned seeing room for all different types of photography some others still questioning you know whether it was actual photography or whether it was digital art given the the amount of processing um so that was well it. i have a question i have a question about that oh go for it would, uh, just a very basic question would you consider someone like ansel adams 
to have his work <laughs> viewed and highly processed, i.e., is it um, bad to burn and dodge a photograph? Well, that is a very pertinent question, uh, and and you know one one that is also uh, you know uh, raised in, in the online chat. Um, I I I consider uh, well, I think most of us who who know Ansel Adams' work also know a little bit about him as a as a as a person and the way that he worked in the darkroom. And he did do very very many prints of his work, and he used uh, some extreme post processing. Uh, uh, for, that was available him to, to him at the time. Uh, there are many people, of course, on the internet that say that sh- should he be practicing today, he would definitely be heavily into Photoshop and other photo editing tools. Um, definitely. And and yeah. it's a really a really good question. So yes, absolutely, it is. Um, it, it's interesting um, for me, perhaps on a personal personal view, is that because the tools that were available to him. Uh, were less transformational, let's say, to the image uh, than those that we have available to us today. That possibly, you mean in truth? <laughs> possibly, possibly the uh, possibly his images with with even with a great degree of post processing still look a little bit more natural than some of the stuff that we see today. I would I would say that even the choice of using black and white film is a choice on altering the image of the landscape. So, and the selection of a kind of color film I'm talking about back in the day, there is a distinct difference between shooting something on a, an ectochrome positive with a four by five camera than a Kodachrome in a 35 millimeter camera of the same landscape at the same time, in the same light. So I would argue that all photography in some way, shape, or form is an intrusive exploration, exploitation of the image that one sees. And we're only talking about degree at this point. I am very much inclined to agree with you, uh, but that doesn't make for a great conversation if it's just the two of us. We need to have a, dis- you need to have a different <laughs> view, don't we? So hold hold that thought for a minute because we'll come back to it. Because the other thing that's interesting to me uh, and I think is relevant to the future of landscape photography uh, is that this week, uh, Skylum, a software company uh, that many of us will know of, have now released the production version of their latest product, which is no, which is called Luminar Neo. Uh, now, uh, you know, just a quick recap on Skylum. Uh, they're very heavily into the uh, AI side of photo editing, and they're really trying to mix it up. So you get you, you get sliders, and you get things that you can move around to edit your photos. But they do things like you know change eyes, so you don't have to do masking and then play with exposure controls. You just have an eye slider, you know, that can change the eyes of a, in a portrait and things like that. Of course, also famous for their almost instantaneous sky replacement technology as well they were one of the the, the leading uh, proponents of that um, and so luminar neo brings to us uh, the the latest batch of ai powered uh, very um, uh, very sophisticated uh, photo editing tools 
uh, they they you know, they can add and remove bits of your photo as well as drastically changing the presentation of various different parts of the image. Yeah, you can remove extra people or, or objects. You can add things in, um, you know, like like a, a fresh sky uh, and things like that. So so these two things sort of gelled in my head, and I thought, well, we've got we've got some commentary on. Yeah, landscape photography uh, and in the particular you know, competition we were looking at being very heavily post-processed. Uh, and then we've got tools coming to the market that are specifically designed for heavy post-processing, <laughs> sophisticated as they may be. So what does this mean for the the future of landscape photography or even the, the, the now of, of landscape photography? Because if you Google landscape photography just just those two words what i got back was a whole range of super saturated hdr you know very highly processed images if i googled fine art landscape photography i got a still quite a collection of heavily processed images somewhat perhaps less for your your thumbnail on instagram so so, so less at- initially attention grabbing possibly with you know a little bit more longevity in the viewing of them um, depending on your taste of course so I wonder if you googled landscape photography landscape photography hashtag no filter <laughs> What, what would come up? Well, um, I, I try not to do podcasts where we just Google stuff and then talk about it. I like to think there's a little bit of prep involved. But um, I, I have a sidebar question, Adrian. Most of the photo processing um, applications, software that, that we've tended to explore and use, has been layer-based, right? Um, yeah, for, for know, 25 really, years or so, yeah. Correct. Um is there a software that you know that is node based? Um, and and by once we get into node based alterations of photography, and that's commonly used in in kind of CG and and more sophisticated um, kind of create, you know, like Unreal Engine, those kinds of things, where where you are ascribing a particular subset of transformations and plugging each element of the previous one in and through it, 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 it creates a hyper fine adjustment to, to the, um, uh, to the image or, or video. I'm just wondering if you've ever come across a node base photograph based um, software. I so. I haven't. So for some, for, I have in the past tried to use DaVinci Resolve for photo editing. Um, I have to say it feels a bit like a sledgehammer to crack a nut. <laughs> um i what i what i need to do and i never got as far as this what i what i was hoping to get to was a point where i could set up a a davinci resolve project which i could just drop photos into um and then edit them um being that i don't do a lot of photo editing though i never have yet got round to buying the studio version of resolve so i'm i'm stuck with 1080 um, as my resolution so whilst i could do all of that i would be exporting two megapixel images for, from that process so that was going to be uh, a limiting factor for me um i do like yeah i i, I do like the node-based editing for for photo for 
images in general i mean with with resolve of course you can you can have layer upon layer of 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 node base you can have uh, a set of nodes that that provide a, a generic fix or color treatment for a whole timeline uh, you can do things to individual uh, individual clips you can do things to power windows uh you know which for those more used to editing photos there's going to be things like your radial and, and linear filters and stuff like that that you can you can inf- or, or to, to brush in um you know elements uh, and do selective edits so uh, yeah i've had plenty of time and, and fun over over the years playing with that sort of thing um i bring by the way i, I do i bring this up for a reason uh, because the the question is, is the future of landscape photography based in software or is it based in camera hardware? Oh, okay. Go on. <laughs> I don't have I try, so, so do you know, that prompts another thought, actually, because, of course, announced this week was the latest Olympus camera, wasn't it? Uh, which is the I think they've called it the OM1, much to the much to the uh, the consternation of people who who love and have loved for forty years now the original film based Olympus OM1 SLR. Um, but the the new Olympus camera, uh, which I'm told is going to be the last with an Olympus uh, name across the front of it, uh, across the the, the prism. Um, uh, is is actually they, they've been for years now. Olympus have done a lot of computational photography stuff in their cameras, <coughs> even in their little point and shoots, of which I have one and love. Um, you know, they started out with things like um, the live composite feature, which is which is a fantastic one for for landscapes, especially when you're unsure uh, of the light or or it's dark uh, or or darkening. Uh, the live composite feature, which will take and, and layer many photos over each other, but build up the bright and the exposure and you can see it happening on the screen on the back of the camera that's that's always a good fun one to play with um but what do, what, what do you mean by uh, uh what do you mean by is the future of editing in camera well it, you know as cameras get more sophisticated i.e you know greater pixel density um uh better lenses um, will we be able to take uh, an iPhone out of our pocket and shoot something uh, magisterial like an Ansel Adams large format image with all of the details that um, that a large format camera provides and thereby allow a hiker in the woods uh, who's you know on a mountaintop without carrying tripods, plates, In other words, the access to certain landscapes, which are, you know, very, very difficult without porters um, to get to, will we then be able to see things that we haven't seen on Earth um, or elsewhere um, that are based on how easy it is to move lenses around? So that's one thing. Okay. The other thing on the software element is will a what we would consider a normal prosumer camera be able to duplicate the highest end of landscape photography in terms of detail shading, uh, nuance, dynamic range um, with AI? In other words, understand the, the, the software will understand the dynamics of the landscape better than we do. 
our eyes and be able to interpret interpolate that in, in a way that creates something uh, greater. Um, so both are both are completely valid ways. And I see that happening in the same way that you have a lot of processing, say, you know, fixed skin, you know, smooth skin, you know, brighten eye. Will we be able to kind of process a landscape photo- photograph and, you know, enhance the clouds, darken the underside. Moody mountains, clear streams. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. Shaft of sunlight. <laughs> That's exactly where I'm going with this. Because um, I, I see that about to happen. That, that's what it feels that's like. really so, so there's a load of stuff in there that's so let's try and let's try and make sure we cover everything you said there because that, there's quite a lot of ideas in that on on the hardware side and getting to places um i i might argue that much of that is available if you choose the right equipment today so there are there are several small cameras that will move their sensor around to create high resolution images um, where the AI would come into that, I guess, would be to to counteract the, any effects of movement, whether movement of you know, vehicles or people or the wind blowing the trees or whatever it is. So it it's not the same as being able to capture it all in one image just yet. But but perhaps you know the computation is is getting to be strong enough to to to, to handle those situations. Um, and uh, so, so 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 there's that. That's not the same as as saying can you do it on a phone i think the the quality of phone sensors and computation as good as they are today i don't think anybody's going to say they're as good as you know taking a large format camera around with you and and, and the subtlety that you not have. yet not yet not yet no um so i think that the accessibility thing is possibly mostly solved um, especially if you consider that your cameras can fly um you know so so that's uh, so that that's some interesting thought um lenses uh well all sorts of yeah that's that's an interesting one lenses on mobile phones are representative of a range of focal lengths these days aren't they um clearly you can still get a, a far broader range of focal lengths you know if you're ha- if you have an interchangeable lens camera some of them especially you know some of them sort of more modern micro four thirds type stuff is it, it, those lenses can be very small for the for the amount of reach they have um, or with whatever trade-offs right people want to talk about i'm not here to talk about trade-offs <laughs> between camera systems uh, no. so i think yeah the hardware front i think yeah it'd be good the software front um I, I, what about the thing i the thing i can't get away from uh, and and wouldn't want to is is the artistic vision so you said you know can somebody with a mobile phone take an ansel adams photo well no they can't <laughs> because he was Ansel Adams and he was a he was an accomplished artist as, as well as an accomplished technician and comp- and an accomplished publicist of course as well but um uh so uh, i i would argue that you know the technology is not the limiting factor perhaps maybe the human in the loop is the limiting factor well yeah i mean that that, that that's always that's always the case you know but you know there's a third adjunct to all of this which is and we've brought this up multiple times on the podcast is what is a photograph and, and the exploration of uh, kind of man-made landscapes uh, using Unreal Engine, uh, you know, world creator, et cetera, 
th- those are profound. And of course, you know, I, I espouse that's very fundamental to a lot of my personal work. Um, so does that also uh, take into consideration where a, uh, a man-made visual representation of a great landscape fall into the um, into the great kind of uh, call it genre of landscape photography generally. Um, I would argue it does because, as I said before, just the selection of gear, film, post-processing, the landscape itself is only one part of the image designed to provoke uh, an emotional reaction by the viewer. And, and if the intention is to bring the viewer close to an appreciation of the world we live in, um, in one way or another, then any form of doing that, whether it's using technology to create that from scratch, lighting, texture, clouds, haze, all of that, which is possible, or the selection of a lens and camera or film or post-processing, whether it's node-based or layer-based. All of those are are applications to provoke a final intention in the viewer. So is there something that we would describe as Pure landscape photography, right? <laughs> with the minimum amount of uh, technological input. Ooh, um, it's it, it's a good it's a good question. I I, th- I suspect the answer is quite subjective, depending on who you talk to. So I, I can give you my own personal view. Uh, well, you're I, the only one here between us. Well, that's a very good point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but I guess what I mean to say is I won't attempt to speak it. You know, for, for everybody. But I think um, I, I I think probably for me uh, that those landscapes uh, that are created in in digital engines of one kind or another, I love the stuff that can be done there. Uh, you know, uh, and you know, even having uh, uh, even having no real hands-on experience of it myself. So the stuff that you've done, the stuff that you see in, in commercial uh, um, presentations and especially in, in TV and what have you these days, um, it's incredibly powerful stuff. Um, do I consider it photography? I, su- I suspect I'm a slightly bit more traditional than that. Um, in that I would probably consider that to be digital art rather than actual photography. Um, uh, so, but does it matter? To me, no, not really, because actually um, it's a it's a form of art in its own right, isn't it? So uh, I, I think it's a, I think it's fascinating. Um, I, I look forward to seeing uh, uh, where it takes us, uh, you know, not just in 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 terms of the you know, the technology, but in terms of the creative work that can be completed and the, the you know, what can be done with it. Um, I, I look forward to one day having time to experiment a bit with it myself actually um would i would i then generate something that i would consider to be landscape photography uh i'm a bit of a pedant i would say no probably for me that's digital art but it's still you know still very creative still has you know uh, merit uh and yeah you know, I, I look forward to seeing 
where it will go. Um, I could see you arguing for anything uh, shot without film and optics being digital art. No, no, that's not that's that's not me. Despite yeah, despite uh, you know indulging Your in love film of photography film. at time. Yeah. Um, no, I mean if I see if I pick up a digital camera and I point it at something and I press the button, I still consider that photography. I'm, I'm using a, a tool to capture light. Um, the process yeah. I'm going through is to is is to compose to reduce whatever you know of what I'm choosing to capture, and it is a capture of something that's happening in the real world at a at a moment in time. So so for me, uh, I, I don't see, I don't really yeah. see any distinction in that sense between digital photography and film photography. It's just the hardware you choose to use. I mean, I wouldn't disagree with that. I mean, even on my own website, uh, I do make a distinction between camera work which is labeled as such, and digital art, which is labeled as such. Mm-hmm. Uh, though there is a uh, crossover. But, but um, so I, I, I tend to agree with you just because I'm a traditionalist in that way uh, in my choice of cameras. And there's a very different experience walking around with a camera looking at the world capturing than sitting in front of a screen and imagining what is going to kind of pour forth from your relationship with the software. That's different. So, so let's let's consider then something in uh, a short while in the future. Um, so let's this thing they call the metaverse that nobody really knows what it is. But let's just go with the some variant of, of the uh, uh, of the Gibson slash Stephenson you know view, view of the world or Ernest Klein yeah. in the in the modern vernacular I suppose uh and, and you know it's, it's an all-immersing you know virtual reality environment if you if you wander around a virtual reality and then you put your virtual camera to your virtual eye and click the shutter button is that photography well in my world uh it is uh in terms of the experience and I certainly have a a whole lot of work in that way, again, on my own website, um, where the experience, if you spend enough time in those worlds, uh, and, and again, it, there's a real distinction between spending time in, in a world like Roblox, which is all blocky and weird <laughs> and, and, and cartoony, much like Second Life was, yeah, and some of the Unreal Engine creations, which are, highly highly realistic Mm. Um, but when you spend enough time in it the actual emotional experience feels very very similar Uh, i'm not talking about physically but you're just wandering you're looking you're 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 sharpening your vision you're very present and the the capture is you're not looking at the captures at least i don't when you're doing them, you're you're capturing them, and then later you're offloading them, or one yeah. offloads them, and then just the way you would get your pictures back from the drugstore. <laughs> <laughs> See what happens. <laughs> so, but but you know, I'm being uh, funny here, but 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 there is an experience to working in the so-called metaverse that is similar, um, uh, but probably not as healthy for your body. Uh, so yeah, there there is that as as uh, so. I think you're right. I think for me, um, although I have done far less of it than you you have, um, I think for me, if I were into in a virtual reality space, you know, and immersed in it and, and in the zone, as it were, mentally, yeah, you know, for that, then I think I would probably classify that as photography. 
the the in-game photography sort of 2d using a game controller uh i think for me that's a part that's a halfway house so so the work that you've done in the past uh i that that you i've seen certainly for me that's a halfway house to photography there's certainly elements of it that you know that are wandering around finding things capturing it yes um but it it, it to me I haven't quite got to the point yet where in-game photography is something that I would consider a, a, a full expression of what photography means to me. But you know, uh, again, it, it's, it's, it's a broad spectrum, isn't it? So this is what I think. So where, where we we come to you know point where we're thinking about well, what is the future of landscape photography? There's definitely going to be virtual landscape photography, however people yeah. choose to define it. Um, do I think that there's going to be a, a, a and no filters, you know, kind of hashtag that goes with landscape photography. That might be nice. Um, but in the same way as I think, well, yeah, there, there are people who, of course, would prefer only to shoot film rather than, you know, anything digital. Well, so. yeah. And, and do, do you think this kind of metaversian world where just imagine that uh, a company like Google or, or others uh, will digitize every inch of the surface of the globe? Um, and in, in, you know, in, in highly um, dense polygons. So it, again, looks extremely real. And one's ability to change the lighting, you know, where the sun is, the sun direction and the weather, which you can do on, you know, flight simulator is a very interesting mm-hmm. um, software that, that really theoretically it captures the world. Um, in very realistic ways, and you can adjust the weather and you can photograph. So if the world is digitized, absolutely, and the experience of finding, you know, the, you know, the, the foot of Mount Everest for, you know, bold photograph, m- many of us can't get there, <laughs> either physically or emotionally uh, or, you know, significantly. That's when we need Chris because he's been there, so, yeah. <laughs> You know, but but what is is landscape photography uh, designed to appreciate the world both in negative or positive ways to show us our world, what we're losing and what we have? I mean, I think both are 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 valid. Um, and I I always look at at beautiful landscape photography as an appreciation, though there are. F- you know, uh, photographers who are showing the destruction as well in a way that's very, very beautiful as well. Also, there there are geometric patterns that one sees that are designed because of man's economic needs, you know, whether it's farming, pollution, um, Mm -hmm. all of those things, which create beautiful imagery on, on questionable practices on earth. All of these things are are very very important, I think, to as a gift to people to appreciate, and that's why a lot of these um, best of are, are are ways of drawing eyeballs into that, in you know, into that world. Nat- National Geographic has been doing it for you know a century probably, um, and early photographers sent by you know some British. <laughs> institute where they would argue about like, you know, do I have enough money and go to Egypt and, you know, with porters and photograph all of these things to bring back 
to people a, a, a view of the world they may not see. And so is, as our world gets smaller in terms of, of our abilities to move around, I think that will also change the nature of photography in the future. Because if you can get anywhere, whether it's uh, outside your house or you know across the globe, um, your ability to, to kind of personalize the experience of looking at the world um, will be made, um, I think it'll be made in, in greater in terms of impact, but maybe also lesser because there'll be so much of it. Um, like, oh, that beautiful mountain again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's the, 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 this is a really good idea, a really good point, because I think that there's clearly there, you know, a purpose in that in those kind of that kind of photography. So whether it's, you know, National Geographic style photography, you know, for the primary purpose to sort of showcase and educate, uh, whether it's the work of artists like Edward Batinsky, uh, which yeah. uh, and others of yeah. his his ilk, who, who seek to you know artistically yeah. represent some very challenging human conditions and and impacts of, of man on the landscape i mean if you yeah. look at you know Batinsky's things on things like shipyards and the oil pipelines and stuff like that there's there's quite a lot going on there isn't there uh, do i so so in that case i suppose you know something that is landscape photography in in a virtual environment um you would struggle i think perhaps to communicate in such a meaningful sure. way um, but do you know what the the thing I think the thing uh, sort of ties it all together for, ties it all together for me is uh, is something that I get from you actually um, I have to say and it's something that um, you you you've shown in the time I've known you you've shown m- multiple times um, you always see the good in people's imagery it, you know you don't you know you always see the the art and the creativity and you're always very positive about the the art that people make um where you know whether yeah whoever it is um and that's something i think i would like to see more of so in the sense that you know i don't want to be in online conversations about how crappy one type of photography is or another i'd like to be in online conversations that celebrate all forms of photography and digital imagery and you know a, a positive and supportive and i think that's something that you personally do really really well um and and uh so i think then um i think that's where we probably should wrap it up for today yeah time for picks time for picks absolutely time for picks well i've got i've got one um and uh full disclosure this is a mate of mine <laughs> in fact i was speaking to him a couple of days ago was it a couple of days ago um so this is my friend Anil mystery um who is a a freelance creative uh who lives uh, not too far from down the road from me actually um and he's got a new book out um it's called hometown uh, and it is uh, an emotional journey. Uh, it's a lot of it street photography uh, around the city of Leicester where he grew up. Uh, and he's been back and over a period of years, you know, tried to capture what he experienced as a child uh, in, in some street photography. I'm, it's, 
it's urban landscape so a, a different form of, of landscape we've not talked about it so much today uh but it uh you know it's there um there'll be a link in the show note the book is show notes the book is just out um i have a copy of it already it's brilliant um and uh brilliant on a number of levels the emotional connection to the to the the body of work the imagery itself you know some of the landscapes and it's also got lots of heavy post-processing in it but a slightly different kind because it's about collage rather than sliders (laughs) so that's my pick of the week jeremiah what about you Mine, I'm I'm uh, I'm sort of self-aggrandizing uh, this week, and and um, I am uh, my pick of the week is a folio of mine, um, on my on my site, which is uh, a nature of uh, manipulated landscapes, um, and they're they were the subject of a show I did just before the uh, pandemic, um, and and were on very large glass prints. Um, and uh, show notes will have the URL for those who wish to explore. Yeah, I I like these a lot. These and you know these are real photographs, are they? In the sense that they are real they are life real places you've captured with the camera. With they were captured with a Hasselblad, and they are real. Yeah. Just check it. Just check for the avoidance of doubt, given the content of the show today. Yeah, they, they, it's a real place. They were photographed uh, in and around Joshua Tree. Yeah, I, I I love these, uh, and I love the Star Trek season one vibe they carry with them as well. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, there we go, folks. Uh, that's us just about done for this week. Um, hopefully, we'll have all three of us next week. Um, although I can't remember precisely whether we're all available or not, <laughs> uh, we might be another week or two people. But um, enjoy the rest of the week, and we'll be back soon. Take care. Bye bye. <laughs>